Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guests. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to study a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. Before we begin this morning, let us let us uh, start with prayer. Holy God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for what it means to us, and we pray, God, that you would be with us this morning and help us to have open hearts and minds and and take what we learn and apply it and share it freely and willingly with our friends family, and neighbors. Father, we pray that uh, you be with the congregation here at at Ninth Avenue. Uh, bless them. Uh, be with the elders and deacons. And we pray, God, that you would just uh, continue to bless the work that is, that, that is carried out here. Watch over us and protect us and keep us in your care. It's through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 139 is a familiar psalm to us, and the lesson this morning is a life foretold. And I want us to take a different approach and and to think about the words that that David wrote in a little bit of a different way. It's not going to be the the typical manner that you would that you would probably hear this, but but I want us to think about it in a, in a different light. And in Psalm 139, David is laying the foundation for how much of a greater understanding that God has than, than what we do and for the, the vast knowledge that God possesses than what we do. And he's, he's in such awe and wonder, highlighting some, some parts of what was just read in the scripture reading, beginning in verse 3, David writes, You search out my path and my lying down. And are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. And then in verse 6, David says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. It is just the first six verses of this psalm that David is relaying how amazing it is that God has this knowledge that he possesses and this understanding. And he is relaying to, uh, as the writer to the hearer, that we serve such a great and almighty and powerful God. And this morning, I want us to think about just that, the, the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And, and I want us to use those first six verses as our launch pad as we look at a life foretold. Throughout the Old Testament, we read about all kinds of different prophecy concerning the coming Christ. Paul writes uh, in reference to the mystery of the gospel in Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 27. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings. 
for your sake and in my flesh, for I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul mentions the mystery of the gospel, and he makes mention of it again in the book of Ephesians in a couple of different places. And I want this morning, for the most part, to let the scriptures speak for themselves with just a little bit of commentary for myself. But if you would, let's go ahead and turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll look beginning in verse 3. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in which he has blessed us in accordance to his great uh, riches of his grace, he is, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him in things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to, to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And I hope that you were paying attention to that section of verses, chapter, uh, verses beginning in verse 3, going down to verse 12. You see all these we, us, we, us, you, we statements that Paul makes in just that uh, short section. Paul, as a Jew, speaking to the Jews, is talking about the blessings that they all share. But then pay attention as he continues to write where verse 13 he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We, us, we, us, Paul, as a Jew to the Jews. Now, he says, the you also, the you also talking to the Gentiles. You see, one of the beautiful things about the gospel of salvation, about what Christ did in his life, in his ministry, in his mission, was to bring salvation not just to the Jews, not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. We know that God sent Christ freely and willingly 
to give his life for all. And if you're a Gentile and you're listening to Paul or hearing these words of Paul, this is exciting to you. But it doesn't stop there. Again, in chapter 3, we see some more of this. Beginning in verse 1, he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Whoops, sorry, it's chapter 2. There we go, chapter 3. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. And I want to stop there. So you keep hearing this word repeated, mystery. And even right here in verse 6, Paul writes and says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. And it would seem as if the mystery has been solved, as if Paul is revealing what this mystery of the gospel is. And so he has. The question that you need to be asking yourself, the question that we all need to be asking ourselves is why is there a mystery to, to begin with? And that's what I want I want us to really focus on this morning is that mystery. And the answer to why the mystery is scattered throughout all of Scripture. Well, throughout the Old Testament, at least. But first, I want us to look at a portion of the New Testament before we jump into that. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 10 and going to verse 12, Peter writes, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And Peter is basically saying that the prophets would have prophecy revealed to them one piece at a time, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. And if you've ever put a jigsaw puzzle together, you know that it takes a little bit of time. It doesn't just come together all at once. It has to be one piece at a time. Some people like to get ahead of themselves and 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 see how many pieces they can put together all at once. And, and in some instances you can. But in this puzzle, it was only revealed one piece at a time. And we know that the prophets and the people, they had these pieces. And they were, they were longing, they were looking, they were searching 
for this Messiah, this coming Savior, this person of promise. For example, looking at some of the uh, scriptures going back to Genesis, from Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10, Moses writes, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor shall the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute come to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Well, who was Moses writing about? Who's he making reference to? Or maybe in Deuteronomy, where he writes in chapter 18, verse 15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Well, who is that? When is this prophet coming? Or maybe in Isaiah, in chapter 9, in verse 6, where he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who is Isaiah making mention of? Or even later on in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 53, where he writes about the suffering servant. Folks, we know because we've got the entire puzzle right here. At any moment, we can open it up and look and read and connect the dots. But they weren't as lucky. They just had a piece at a time revealed to them. Or maybe even in Micah, in chapter 5, verse 2, But to you, O Bethlehem, who are too little... To be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Whose coming forth is from old, from ancient, in reference. uh, From ancient days. When is he coming? Who is being talked about? We today know that these and many other passages like it are making reference to Christ Jesus. To the coming Savior. And we can connect those dots because we have the Word in its entirety. But the Jewish leaders, the Jewish people, they didn't fully comprehend. They had the pieces of the puzzle. But they were longing, looking, and waiting. Who is being talked about? Who are we looking for? And even when Jesus Christ finally came... When he was born of a virgin, when he was there in the flesh, in his ministry, there were still the doubts. There were still the, who are we looking for? And even during his ministry, when Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they say, some say John the Baptist, some say Isaiah, some say one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? You see, not everybody got it. Not everybody was privy. Their eyes weren't completely open. The people didn't recognize Jesus as being who we know Him as. And it got to a point that they had enough. They called for his death. They called him a liar. 
They spat on him. They beat him. They accused him of blasphemy. And they eventually crucified him. And he gave gave his life. Even for those calling for his life. Even for those taking his life. And he even goes so far as to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was buried. He was raised. He ministered for 40 more days. And then he ascends into heaven. And then on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, one of his own disciples, Peter, In the first gospel sermon on that day of Pentecost, he says these words. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, Or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried in his tomb. And in his, and in his tomb with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out. This that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens. But he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. It took Peter preaching that gospel sermon. It took them finally really listening for it to click. Because we know the rest. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do. 
Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, finally, they know. Finally, they get it. Finally, they understand. It took them blindly crucifying Jesus. It took them blindly calling Him a blasphemer. And doing all of those things and putting him through what he went through. And Peter pointing it back out to them. This Jesus, just a few days ago that was right here, claiming to be the Son of God, guess what he was? He wasn't lying They finally get it. And it would seem that it's all finally come together. But not yet, not completely. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Where we finally get the answer about this mystery. Why was there... A mystery. First Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Paul writes these words. He says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Folks, when we think about that, when we think about the fact that if all the puzzle pieces had been there and people could see the entire picture, if they could have envisioned if, if everything had fallen into place and they could see it the way God saw it. Paul says, if they had understood, they never would have crucified the Lord. God hid the plan. He takes this plan and he divides it into pieces. And then ever so often, he just hands out a piece, like a jigsaw puzzle. And they're putting it together. But there's that one intricate piece that was missing, exactly who Jesus was and why he was there. You see, if God doesn't do that, if God doesn't completely conceal his plan, we have no hope. The people crucifying Him have no hope. Back at Northside and Temple, my wife is one of five, four, I don't I've lost count. There's a lot of pregnant ladies at Northside, more than there has been at the same time. And, and I know that because I've asked people. But all of those babies that have yet to be born... The point that I'm making is that 
It's their salvation too. Anybody that will ever live before He comes back, that salvation is prevented if the plan is known and people get in the way. And what I'm getting at No, I'm not trying to to make reference to Psalm 139 as a messianic psalm. But I am using the principle that David uses. The principle of knowing that God knows all. Even before it happens. The foresight of God. The wisdom of God. The knowledge that God possesses. That if they know this plan... In its entirety. They will try to stop it. That's the kind of God that we serve. A God that knows more than we do. Even to the point that even the plans that he puts in motion, he does so in such a way that there is no stopping it. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and to lean not on your own understanding. When we trust in God, when we give Him our plans, when we, hit, when we include Him in our plans, when we make our plans His plans, those are plans that never fail. And that life foretold, by the way, that we were talking about, the title of the lesson, that life foretold is an everlasting life with Him. It is a life that knows no heartache, that knows no sorrow. You see, this life that we live is full of those things. It's full of sorrow. It's full of disappointment. It's full of heartache. It's full of ups and downs. But the life that He has promised is a life void of those things. And that's what He wants for each and every one of us. Peter went on to write, It is not the will of the Father that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And that's what He wants. So much so that He had a plan, a plan that He put into motion at the beginning of time in such a way that there was no stopping it. And maybe you're here this morning and you have need Need of becoming a part of that plan. Need of the waters of baptism. Baptism made possible because of the impossibility of his plan being stopped. Maybe you're here this morning and, and You need to come back to Him. You've given your life to Him, but you've strayed away. Folks, I'm here to tell you right now that it does not matter what you've done. It does not matter how bad you think you've been or or how far away you, you may currently feel 
from God. He's always right there where you left Him, waiting for you to come back to Him. And it's only a simple step toward Him where He will reach right back out to you with arms wide open, ready to bring you back to Him.